Hello. You are listening to the Grieving Parents Sharing Hope podcast. We are here to walk with parents on their unwanted journey of child loss, guiding them to a place of hope, light, and purpose, not in spite of their child's death, but as a way to honor his or her life. And now, here is your host, author, speaker, and bereaved parent, Laura Deal. Hi, welcome to today's episode. We are back on the road in the Hope Mobile, and I'm recording this in Ohio. I'm actually staying with my sister for a few days, and the Hope Mobile is parked in their driveway, and I'm sitting inside of it recording right now. Today, I'm going to give you five suggestions to help you when people say things to you like, Shouldn't you be over this by now? Before I share that list of five things, though, let me start out by telling you to stop feeling like you owe them an explanation in the way of excuses. If you feel this way, not all of us do. Some of you already feel like, I don't owe you anything. But sometimes we feel like they're treating us like we have some kind of a disease, don't we? And I didn't put this in the list of suggestions because it's something that you're going to have to do for your own well-being, not in an angry, bitter way, but as something you're going to have to peacefully resolve within yourself. So in other words, not this sarcastic, I don't owe you an explanation, I don't have to tell you, but just within yourself that, you know what, they're not going to understand. How could they? Because I know I sure didn't until I was on this side of things after my daughter Becca died. So with that being set up front, Let's go ahead and talk about some of the things that we can do to help with the struggle we all seem to have for many years, and I I would say even the rest of our lives after the death of our child, because there are just going to be times where we're just a mess again, and people aren't going to understand that. So first of all, know that it's okay to be real and lean into your pain when it grips you unexpectedly. As I see it, When something like that happens, a trigger happens, and people are around, you have three options. One is to fight it, which is usually obvious and awkward for everybody around us. Two, you can excuse yourself and leave, either for a few moments to compose yourself or just leave the event, go home. Or the third option, it's possible to stay put and to let those around you know that you are allowing them into a sacred and vulnerable moment and the sacred space of missing your child. Now, it's interesting because a lot of times I've talked to other parents about this, and we all tend to agree that people who knew us when our child died don't seem to have as much grace for us as the people who meet us after our child died. I don't know what it is, but it's like when you change jobs or churches or whatever, and someone finds out that you had a child that died, there's just a a compassion in them. And if tears start to fall because there's a trigger, they're okay with that. And you can invite them into that moment and you can say, I'm sorry, whatever this is, this song or this uh, plate of food, whatever it is, just made me think of my child. Can you maybe sit here and just let me miss him or her for just a minute and maybe miss them with me? And most people would feel very honored that you would let them in such a precious space in your life. 
but for whatever reason, it seems to be a little bit harder to do that with friends and family who were there when our child died. For whatever reason, they feel like, man, you're still this something like that still makes you cry. What's wrong with you? I mean, they may not say it like that, but we they might as well, right? Let me just say there's no one right option of those three. Fight it, excuse yourself, or invite people into that place. Because each time is going to be different. The people who are around you are going to be different. And only you can determine which one is right for you at that moment. But I just don't want you to be afraid to go for that third option. Because it really might surprise you how supportive and caring someone might be and you will also have the blessing of having people allow you to share your child with them. The second thing is to remind yourself that the death of a child is considered traumatic grief. It's a trauma and anything under five years most experts will say is considered fresh grief. Now I was probably a good two maybe even three years into this before I found that out. Most people don't know that. And a lot of us parents, you're dealing with PTSD on top of the trauma of the death, depending on the circumstances. It is a big thing. It is a big recovery process. It's normal to not be okay, even three, four, five years into this. And for the rest of your life, because like I said, we're going to have triggers holidays, things that just make us fall apart. Now, as we go further into this, it happens less often, and most of the time we can pull ourselves. It doesn't last as long, but it still happens. I've talked to moms who have been on this road for 30 years, and it still happens. Like I said, maybe not as often, not as hard, not as long, but it still happens. A part of your very being has been severed from you. And you will get to the point where you learn how to live with that part of you missing. But there are going to be constant reminders and even some limitations in your day-to-day life. And the closer it is to that death, the more it's going to be this way. Most people seem to understand that if a, a person has an amputation, like our daughter Becca had her leg amputated when she was only three years old because of cancer, Most people understand that person will never be the same as before that limb was cut off from them. We have gone through an amputation with the death of our child. A part of our very being has been cut off from us. But for some reason, those who have never faced the suffocating darkness of child loss, a lot of them don't seem to understand that life for us will never be the same, just like an amputee. Now, I want to add here that amputees can learn to live a very full life again, a life of meaning and purpose and joy, but it's not going to look the same. It's going to look differently. If someone's been in a severe accident and their body's been shattered, we all expect a long recovery process. There's the hospital, there's, you know, getting off of machines, there's therapy. It's a long recovery process. Our hearts and our lives have been shattered, and we need to expect a long recovery process, and the people around us need to know that this is a long recovery process. And as far as I'm concerned, it's okay to use these examples, the amputation or someone who's in a serious accident, 
to explain to someone who just doesn't get it. Just like in the physical, this has happened to me and it affects every part of my being. It affects my body physically. There are physical changes. It affects my emotions. It affects my mind, chemical changes in the brain. It affects my spiritual well-being. It affects every part of me. And I, I it's going to be a long process for me to heal. And when I do heal, they're going to be permanent scars and I'm not going to be the same. The third one is to feed your spirit and your soul. And there are so many ways of doing that. One of them is through music. God created music to be a pathway to our souls. And what we choose to listen to will affect our emotions. And it will either keep us in that place of deep grief and darkness or music can help us. It can give us peace. It can give us a glimmer of light and hope to be able to take a step forward. So for me, I have made several playlists on YouTube. And when I find a song that makes me feel hopeful, I add it to my hope list. So these songs, I'll play through them when I am struggling with feeling hopeless. I have a peace list. I have a list of songs that actually allow me to miss Becca. Because sometimes we need to lean into that grief. Not to wallow in it, but... The tears and the, the, it's part of the healing process. It's part of almost like a cleansing. And there are times I just need to let myself miss her. And I, I have a list of songs for that. Sometimes maybe I just need to listen to some instrumental music. No words. Just soak in the presence of God. Just invite God to just come and sit with me and be with me. So whatever it is for you, I recommend you do the same thing. Maybe you have a list called I can't sleep list of music, or maybe it's people you like to hear teach that you can play at night when needed. Because sometimes I need music without words, but there are times I need something with words so that my mind is thinking about the words instead of wandering in my own thoughts sucking me down and I I know you know what I'm talking about there is no right or wrong music no right or wrong lists for you as long as it helps you take the steps needed for that moment with that struggle and it doesn't make you spiral down even further another way to feed your soul and your spirit is through reading now, maybe you aren't a reader by nature, but reading, it really is a great way to meet other bereaved parents who will confirm that you aren't going crazy, that still being a mess is normal for someone who's lost a child well into this, and that all of those things that you're being accused of by the people around you just aren't true. When Becca first died, I was hesitant to connect with others who were a mess like me. I thought it would make me worse. And unfortunately, there were some I talked to or were on Facebook who were stuck and they would tell me I'd always be a mess and I would never get past this. And there were books I read that came across as though my life would never be worth living again. But I refused to believe those things and I kept looking for those who would give me hope. And it turned out they're out there. And now I'm one of them, writing books to offer hope to other grieving parents who are looking for it, while still acknowledging the suffocating darkness that comes with the death of a child. So I hope that you believe it is a blessing and a relief to know that there are bereaved parents who want to connect with you, who have poured their heart and their soul and tons of hours into writing books just for you. 
And I have a shelf full of these books. Well, actually, they're not they're not in a shelf now. They're in a box since we moved into our motorhome. But I actually have a box labeled grief books so that when we're back home and can get into our storage, if there's a book I want to reread or grab or whatever, I know exactly where it is. The problem I discovered about books is figuring out things like which ones are well-written and which ones were based on things I wanted to stay away from, which ones would bring me hope instead of more despair. So a few years ago, I decided to put a list of my top 10 favorite books together for you with a link to each one on Amazon so that you can find out more about that book and order it if it looks like a good fit for you. Now, these books are all written by those who have a faith in God. They're not religious, but they're raw and real in their personal relationship with God, and several of them share their anger with him and the journey it put them on. And I do need to update this list because, like I said, I wrote it, I don't know, maybe three years ago. So if you want to get it, just send me an email, laura at gpshope.org, and I'll send it out to you. And I'd, I'd be interested in hearing from you books that you've read that have been really helpful to you. So you can do the same thing. Let me know about some of the books that you've read, laura at gpshope.org. If you're wondering where you can find my books, they are on our website or wherever books are sold. Just look up author Laura Deal. There is another Laura Deal out there. I believe she's an illustrator, but you'll you'll know whether they're my books or not based on the topic. Before I go on to the third way to feed your soul and spirit, I do want to add that if you just can't read books, I just don't read, then I really want to encourage you to find blogs and articles to read. I have been writing an Expressions of Hope blog for several years, and you can find that on our website. And if you want a certain topic, just go to the search bar at the bottom of the website, type it in, and, and some of these specific blogs will will pop up for you. Otherwise, there's a tab that you can go to. Being out in nature is another gift from God that has a way of soothing our soul and feeding our spirits. I, I think we all tend to know that there's something about being out in nature, in the quietness of nature, that just soothes us and it speaks to us. And there's something about it just makes us feel more connected to God. When we're more connected to God, we feel more connected to our child because it's all spirit to spirit. And so I encourage you, find ways to get out into nature, not with books. I don't want to offend anybody by this, but not even with a Bible or a devotional book. Just go out there and connect with God in your heart while you're out in nature. It's amazing what it will do for you. If you're in the grass, take your shoes and socks off and walk barefoot through the grass. God has just, there's so many things in nature that God created to help us in our souls and, and in our spirits. So so just get out there in nature, the ocean, water, whatever it is. Right now it's beautiful in the fall with the trees are just gorgeous in, in the Midwest. Journaling and or coloring is another one. It's highly recommended by grief counselors and many parents find both of these to be a big help. If you've never journaled and you don't know where to start, I actually put something together for parents for this purpose. It's called My Grief Journey, a coloring book and journal for grieving parents. And it goes through, I think it's like 42 words of our grief journey. You pick a word and you can color it or not. And there's a journaling prompt 
that will help you. It'll start you in a sentence so that you can begin to write about that word. And there's also a reading there and a scripture verse. So I wrote that specifically for this purpose of, of coloring. There's something soothing and calming about that and journaling for those it's like, oh, I, I know everybody says I should journal, but I don't know what to write. This will help you get started in what to write. Spending time closed in with God is one that helped me the most personally. I know many struggle with this one because of how angry they are with God. But he is the source of peace. And until we're able to turn to him instead of away from him, even in our anger, we can turn to him. The consistent peace that we're longing for is going to elude us. And if it helps any, peace doesn't mean the absence of pain. I have learned that peace and pain can live inside of me together. I believe that's because peace is a fruit of the spirit. Peace is a spiritual thing when we're surrendered and connected to God. Pain is in our souls, and so we can have peace and pain inside of us together. Let's go ahead and move on to number four. I want to personally release you from the guilt of not attending functions that are too difficult, no matter how long the loss has been. There are going to be times when going to a joyful or a celebration event is going to be a slap in the face reminder that your child is not here, that he or she will not be part of something they should have been right in the middle of. And this is going to continue for years, such as graduations or maybe a birth that would have made your child an aunt or an uncle, all kinds of things for the rest of our lives. And once again, there are a couple of options here. I found instead of making my absence about me, I let the host or those attending know that my absence is about them. I don't want to dampen or possibly ruin the celebration for them and those attending by how deeply I still love and miss my child. I don't want anything to be taken from the celebration that I have been invited to because I know that it might be a trigger for me and I don't want it to be about me. I want it to be about them. And so I'm just going to not come for you and for those who will be there. The other option I have found that seems to surprise people is to ask, is there a way that we can include my child? Maybe a toast can be made to your child and others who have passed on and are missed. Can there maybe be a photo placed somewhere with a notebook next to it where those attending can write a memory or a note to your child letting him know how much they're missed? There are a lot of different things that you can do to include your child in whatever that event is without taking away the event. And yes, there are probably going to be some moments of tears, but doing something like this can give a sense of relief because it gives you the needed grace and permission to miss your child. When I know that my daughter is going to be acknowledged in some way, it helps bring a healing comfort in, in the middle of the pain to know that others miss her too and they haven't forgotten her. Will there be tears? Probably. Do I care? Not anymore, because they are tears of love that will never be quenched until I'm with her again. And at this point, I don't care if people around me understand that or not. The fifth one 
is to connect with others who are ahead of you on this rocky road of grief who get it and will walk with you in the darkness and be the light of hope that you need. When we see and know others who have faced the death of their child and not only survived, but somehow they have figured out how to live a life of meaning and purpose again, it gives us hope that somehow, maybe, just maybe, it is possible. For almost two years, I didn't want to go to any conferences that were for grieving parents. I didn't go to any grief support groups. I didn't know of any in our area, but I don't think I would have gone if I would have known about it. I didn't want to be around a bunch of people who were a mess like me, thinking we were just going to sit around all morbid and cry about our kids, and I would leave feeling worse than when I arrived. I found the exact opposite to be true. The first time I went to a conference for bereaved moms, it was wonderful and healing to be in a room full of people who were a mess like me. They got it. I didn't have to explain anything to anyone. I didn't have to feel guilty for laughing at something. I didn't have to feel guilty or try to explain or hide when a few tears would come at strange times. It was like an instant bonding with people I had never met. And I have made lifelong friends, literally, who are very precious to me from that very first event that I went to for bereaved moms. A word of caution, though. Make sure, I'm talking about connecting with parents who are on the same journey. And just like I was talking about in the reading, make sure you are connected with parents who will acknowledge your grief, but also be a light of hope that you can and will get past the suffocating darkness. We all know our lives are never going to be the same, but some parents get stuck in that darkness, and then they tell others behind them that you won't ever get out either. So I really want to make sure that you keep looking until you find those who will give you the hope that you need. As I said at the beginning, the people around you are not going to understand. I sure didn't know this depth of suffocating darkness even existed until Becca died. And I hope, I hope, and I think you feel the same way, that those around us never have to find out what this is like for themselves Unfortunately, there may be some who remain insensitive and continually pick at our open wound of grief who will have to be shut out of our lives. Almost every bereaved parent I have met has said that their circle of friends made a shift because of the lack of understanding and support when it was needed the most. And I'm not talking about, we all know, it's not that funeral and the, you know, couple weeks of meals afterwards. Someone recently said, yeah, two weeks of casseroles just doesn't cut it. It's the months and even the years, those first few years. We need people there for us and they just don't understand that. So a lot of times there is a shift in our friends and we end up just kind of shutting people out who they're not a help for us and they're almost more of a detriment. It makes it worse. That isn't always an option though, especially when it's someone in our family that we see often. And I just want to say I do understand that. I do acknowledge that. So I pray that these five suggestions will help you in a way that helps you rise above the painful conflict to a place of rest and peace. And may you have hope that the light isn't far away because those of us who carry it, we're walking with you.
This podcast actually came from a two-part blog that offered a printable version of these five suggestions that you can print out and see, put somewhere to see as a reminder. And I'll put a link in the show notes to that blog so you can request the sheet if you want it. I hope this episode didn't sound like one long commercial for GPS Hope or my books. That wasn't my intent. It really wasn't. But as a ministry to grieving parents, we do try to make a lot of different things available, like the blogs and YouTube videos and this podcast and things on our website. If you haven't been to our website, I encourage you to go check it out at gpshope.com. Org and sign up to get our weekly word of hope. There's over a thousand parents who get that, and you can subscribe for it, get signed up for it. If you don't like it or decide you don't want it at any point, all you have to do is go to the bottom and hit the the link that says unsubscribe, and you won't get it anymore. Let's go ahead and go on to this week's birthday segment. Taylor Contreras was born on October 20th, and she is forever 16. Mackenzie Acapino was born on October 21st and is forever seven and a half. Matthew Silikowski was born on October 22nd and is forever 36. Nate Wilson was born on October 22nd and is forever 30. Dustin Clements was born on October 26th and is forever 21. We know how important it is to acknowledge the day that our children came into this world and we celebrate with these families the birthdays of these children. If you would like to have your son or daughter's birthday shared with our listeners, it's very easy. All you have to do is go to gpshope.org slash birthdays. There's a form. You just fill it in and hit submit, and they will be added to our birthday segment the week of his or her birthday. It may not seem like it, but most of the people around us mean well. The reason they say things like, when are you going to get back to your old self, or you shouldn't still be struggling like this, maybe you should get some professional help, is because they care and they're concerned for us. Well, most of them. Some are just selfish, and it's more about them and what they lost in you than what you lost with your child. But either way, there's just no way they can know what it is like through your eyes. That reminds me, I just... One more thing, I'm sorry, I did write a book called Come Grieve Through Our Eyes, and I wrote it specifically to be able to hand to concerned family and friends. You hand it to them, and you say, here, read this book, and then come and talk to me about why I'm still a mess. And a lot of bereaved parents have read this book, and they love it because it validates so many of the things that they think are due after the death of their child, and it's like, oh my goodness, okay, other parents do this, then I'm, I'm okay. So anyway, just wanted to throw that book out there for you. I hope this episode has been helpful to you in some way. If it has, be sure to share it with others who may be struggling with the same thing. Remember, you don't owe anyone an explanation, but there are things you can do for yourself when these things come at you, and there are things that you can do for them, these people around you who mean well, that will help close the gap with those you want to stay closer to, to help you deal with those in your life who think grief is a short event in time instead of the lifelong process that it is. 
Remember to hold on. Pain eases. There is 